the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group 5 Deep Dive, and I'm Mike Calabrese, joined as always by Mike Ionello. We're coming off one of our best weeks in recent memory. I went 10-4 and four in the app. I believe Ionello went 9-4 and four as well. So we were really putting stringing together some winners, which was fantastic. We had some, some good beats there at the end. And I believe your only loser was on a 61-yard field goal that was uh, in Power 5 land, K-State Mizzou. What, what was your emotions on that one? Yeah, I, I had Kansas State money on in like three different parlays. BetMGM has this great, great promo they've been doing during college football where they have like a risk-free uh, parlay that if you lose, you get your money back. So I did get my money back, but I had Kansas State money line in that. So losing that on a SEC record field goal was certainly a uh, – a bit of a kick in the dick, pun intended. But I actually had a question for you, Calabrese. Speaking of betting, who had who had week three in the pool? Who 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 cashed week three in the uh, betting pool? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Who had week three as the Hank Bachmeyer injury? <laughs> yeah, it's like Hank Bachmeyer to me is like taking tickets on Tua Tungai Bailoa to win NFL MVP. The fact that Tua is number one in the market to win MVP is ridiculous. Like he's really going to play 15 games this year. Like I guess, get out of here. I guess Bachmeyer hasn't been doing his jujitsu and learning how to fall. <laughs> it's the old Allen Iverson. Like he hit the deck like 25 times a game for the Sixers in the early 2000s. We never got hurt. I mean, there's something to be said for learning how to fall. Like he looks like he falls on his keys every time he gets sacked. So I'm not surprised <laughs> that he's injured at this point. Uh, Let's jump into G5 Heroes, by the way. I I just want to throw this out there. You hit me with a trivia question. I'm going to hit you with one right away. My uh, two G5 Heroes, Matthew Miles and Brian Ernest. I can be your hero, baby. You can take my breath away. Do you know who they are in relation to college football? No. (laughs) Should I? Why should you? Because they were the field judge and back judge of the Ohio-Iowa State game. And it's been a long time coming for me to hit one of these underdogs to win outright. And here it was, a 10-7 win. And the Iowa State kicker clearly made a field goal. And they, you know, both are looking up at the post. Nah, that that's no good. Even the announcers were like, they're going to review it, clearly. I mean, this, this obviously went in. No, let's just keep it going. Let's move on to the next possession. From our vantage point, it looked good. And for some reason, this play was not reviewed, Rock. They did not call down or, or, excuse me, call up to review it. But it looks like it goes over top of the goal, but sneaks right in. I mean, is that not worth a look? Rocky, that's good. Wow. I haven't caught a break like that in a long time. It's like, you know, watching a basketball game and seeing a shot go in and just be like, nah, that was a brick. So the fact that they were able to bail me out, they're my G5 heroes of the week. Sometimes you can get hosed by the officials. Sometimes you get a miracle like that. And in a game where Ohio scored 10 points, I needed every break that I could get. 
way to go Bobcats now in a position to maybe hit double digit wins this year. So I'm, I'm really impressed. They, they lived up to the hype defensively. Iowa state was stuck in the mud for four quarters. So those are my G five heroes. How about you in week three? Who are your heroes? I love it. By the way, we would have, we might need to have a conversation about the Mac at some point. Cause Mac's pretty good. Uh, I cheated as well. I also have two Jaden Maeva and Jose Pisano. I think I said, uh, UNLV. The UNLV backup quarterback, Javen Maeva, he comes in, passing touchdown, rushing touchdown. Jose Pisano, their kicker, had four field goals, including the game winner, to give UNLV a 40-37 to win against Vanderbilt. How about the Rebels getting a big SEC win? So those are my two G5 heroes this week. See, when, when we're cranking out winners, there's just positivity left and right. It's easy to pick out these heroes. Let's hop right into the best bet here in week number four. And I'm going to start with the team that we were pumping their tires all offseason. They got off to a bad start. Then they had a bye week, so they kind of fell off the national radar. Then they're right in the middle of the Deion Sanders media hurricane. Colorado State catching two this week, traveling to Murfreesboro to play Middle Tennessee. And when I looked at the Action Network Power Rankings, 107th for the Rams, SP Plus ranking from ESPN, 122nd. I was going to say, you know, what my core thought on this is. Bullshit. This offense can cook. Braden <laughs> Fowler, Nicolosi can run this offense. He had 367 through the air against the Buffaloes. Torrey Horton and Dallin Holker look like grown-ass men, and it makes sense for Holker because he's 23, he's married, he's already done a Mormon mission to Chile, he can speak Spanish. It's not coincidental that he is a man, but he looks like the best G5 tight end in the entire country, if not the best tight end because they don't seem to be able to fully feature you know, uh, the Bauer hour down there in Athens. So I'm going to go ahead and say this offense keeps rolling against a middle Tennessee team that isn't very good. I I think it's pretty clear that what the Rams showed against Colorado, yes, they blew a lead. Yes, they lost an OT, but they outgained the Buffaloes by 80 yards. They were 10 for 20 on third down and they killed themselves with penalties. They had 17 penalties in that game, 182 yards worth and four turnovers. Really, if any of those turnovers go the other way or if they can cut down on some of the penalties, losing Kamara, their pass rushing specialist, in the second half, they probably win that game. Now they're up against the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders team that's just not nearly as explosive as the Colorado Buffaloes team was. And, you know, can Colorado State, to me, the question is, can they weather the first half storm without Kamara? Because Kamara got the targeting penalty, so he's out for the first 30 minutes. If they can keep this game around even or, you know, have it be a one-possession game one way or the other, I think they're going to run away with it in the second half. I think they gain confidence in terms of what their ceiling is. And we talked about it through the preseason. If they had a competent offensive line, this offense was going to sing. They're absolutely average. I mean, then the best way possible, they gave, you know, uh, Fowler and Nicolosi time to operate. I think they're going to do the same here. What are your thoughts on the Blue Raiders as my, you know, fade pick here as my best bet of week four? Yeah, honestly, I'm going to save it and I'm, I'm going to touch on it later. There's a little teaser. Now to get into my best bet, I have a question for you. So a similar game where, you know, you have a, a G5 team that played a power five team close, looked good, but did lose. I have a question for you. I know you're a power ratings guy. Which team did you adjust more, Alabama down or South Florida up? Alabama down. Agreed. I'm taking Rice minus two and a half. I think this line's a bit of an overreaction to South Florida hanging with Alabama. I think it says a lot more about Alabama than it does the Bulls. South Florida managed 87 yards passing in that game. They ran the ball well with Byron Brown, but they've struggled to run the ball with their running backs all season. They had just a 26% success rate on offense against Bama. I just think Rice is much better than South Florida. South Florida as a total has eight touchdowns this year. 
Brown has four passing and four rushing. He's their whole offense. They're 130th in the country in success rate. We saw Austin Reed in Western Kentucky throw for six, 366 yards against this team. They put up 41 points. Alabama wasn't able to move the ball, but it was literally like a hurricane. They had a weather delay, and Alabama's quarterbacks are trash, which we've seen. I think JT Daniels looks really good. He's averaging 268 yards per game. He's got eight touchdowns. Luke McCaffrey looks awesome. He, I mean, he had a ridiculous catch against Houston, like one-handed catch. Braylon Walker is averaging 21 yards per catch. They have a pretty good tight end. They have a lot of weapons on offense. And while they don't run the ball a ton, you know, Dean Connors is averaging 5.7 yards per carry. He's been pretty efficient. I mentioned him last last week, maybe my new favorite player in college football, Dalen Alexander, just the most efficient back in the country. 14 carries, 40 yards, five touchdowns. You just give him the ball, he's going to score. And Rice is 32nd in success rate on defense, and that's with games against Texas and Houston to bat. So I don't think South Florida is going to do anything on offense. Pass defense was good last year. It looks like it's their strength again. I expect Rice with JT Daniels to pick up big plays through the air against South Florida. Bulls are going to continue to struggle. Rice is f- fifth in the country in finishing drives because, like I said, anytime they get the red zone, give the ball to Dan Alexander, punches it in for the short touchdown. Minus two and a half, I think, is way too low in this game. I love Rice here. I think they, I think they, they, I think they blow them out. If I'm being honest, I would play this. I think they win by double digits. So I love laying under a field goal with Rice. Just as you said, I have strong opinions on your best bet, but I'm going to save it for the Look round. at us. People know we don't talk about this beforehand. So if we're, if we're feeling it, we're feeling it. All right. We're now into the G5 high five. Every single week, we give you a bundle of picks. You put it together in a round robin, you know, by twos, by threes, however you want to put it together. You could also just put together a full on parlay. The round robin gives you an opportunity to not get burned by one or two legs falling. So I'm going to get started here in week number four. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! With the Rice Owls. I agree with you. Like, the fact that South Florida is only, you know, is less than a field goal dog at home. South Florida is not there offensively at all. Whereas Rice, to me, is already a finished product on the G5 level. They went to a bowl game last year. Everything that I needed to see from JT Daniels to kind of elevate this offense is there. He played against Houston, and this was a Houston defense with Doug Belk that absolutely shut down UTSA in the opener. He goes for 401 through the air and three TDs. He kept it up last week, the positive momentum. He's a quarterback who can sometimes be up and down. He had four more passing touchdowns. I know they played Texas Southern, but I just like the positive momentum week over week. And South Florida, there's getting way too much credit for Alabama no-showing their game. The Alabama defense showed up. If it wasn't for field position, they would probably have shut out the Bulls. And Alabama's offense was just mega dysfunctional. They weren't putting in full effort. So I understand that USF is getting this big bump and, you know, they looks great against the mighty tide. They've also played Western Kentucky, as you mentioned, you gotten to read stats, and they played Florida A&M. Florida A&M quarterback, Musa, threw for 374 yards. Like JT Daniels is going to carve up this defense. It's not ready. And the TAN analytics, you know, department that we like to lean on from time to time, they have Rice minus five and a half. My numbers have it at Rice minus seven. So to get it below those two key numbers, the touchdown and the field goal, it's too good for me to pass up. I'm going to start off our round robin here in week four with that one. By the way, uh, last week we double dipped in that one easily. So, so far when we're in sync, we have a good track record. Uh, For my first G5 high five pick, I'm going with James Madison minus six and a half against Utah State. Is James Madison the best G5 team in the country? Because I think other than Tulane, they – you could probably make a good argument James Madison is the second-best G5 team in the country. Do you agree with that? 
everything except for quarterback play with obviously is a huge element of, you know, where's your ceiling as a team. I think they, you can make a strong argument. They have the highest floor of any G five team. They're incredibly well coached. They play great defense. You know, they're just buttoned up across the board, but quarterback play. I can't really get overly excited about what they put out there through three weeks, but they're undefeated for a reason. And it's because, you know, that's kind of baked into their game plan. They're not, you know, requiring these huge statistical performances to get things done and to cover spreads. So I'm not that far away, but, you know, if they had a guy like Santeo, as they did last year, then I'd be probably on board with your sentiment there. Yeah, but this defense, they, they certainly have the best defense in the G5. They're dominant. They're 11th in the country in success rate. They were first last year. Their front seven is so good. James Carpenter and Jalen Green up front, Terrace Jones and Jalen Walker at linebacker. They're just you can't run on this team. They're second in the country in success rate against the run. And that's pretty much the only thing Utah State's done decently this year. You know, Davon Booth had a pretty good year. Cooper Lega is terrible, as we said, coming into the year. He stinks. He was benched last week for McKay Hillstead, which is just a ridiculous name. And not I believe somebody. he's going to be the starter for this game. I think yes. I read that uh, in is. the last 42 hours. He looked, you know, I guess he looked better than Lega, but that's not saying a ton. Yeah. I mean, Lega's terrible. And there's a reason he wasn't the starter to begin with, I'm assuming. And, but you mentioned, yeah, okay, Jordan McLeod is not, you know, going to play in the NFL. But this Utah State defense is terrible. And James Madison's offense does exactly what they're supposed to do. They run the ball well with Kalen Black, Tyson Lawton, and Jordan McLeod protects the football. He has no interceptions this year. And then they win with their defense. James Madison has already gone on the road and beaten Virginia, who, while not good, is a Power 5 team. They beat Troy, who won the Sun Belt last year and was, you know, terrific all year. Both of those games are on the road. They should have no problem with Utah State here. I think Utah State's terrible. So, like I said, I think James Madison is in the upper tier of G5. So, one under a touchdown, you know, unless they just come out here and lay a dud, James Madison should have no problem with Utah State here. Usually this is more of an NFL exercise for me, but I like to kind of spot those fishy lines where I was like, you know, there's not a lot of juice or public sentiment behind this team. Let me do my homework and see if I can talk myself into, in this case, Utah State. I kicked the tires on it. I can't do it. The, the quarterback play is not there. As you mentioned, the defense is ghastly. Terrell Vaughns is great in, at the wide receiver position, but he's a little receiver. I think they're going to be able to game plan to kind of take him out of the equation for the Aggies. And generally speaking, you know, if Utah State is playing good football, they get raucous home crowds. But this year, I, I just don't see that being a deciding factor for a James Madison team that all the way back to their FCS days, they know how to travel. They know how to win on the road. They know how to you know maintain their, their quality and standard of play throughout an entire season. I think it's one of the reasons why their transition has been so seamless up to the FBS level. So to be honest, I, I think I've gone from uh, Utah State lean. That's what I wanted it to be through my research and your you know argument here. I think I'm now on the Dukes. All right, I'm going to go to a team that if you told me six weeks ago that very quickly I'd be interested in playing, I would have said you're crazy. And it's FIU plus 10 and a half. Now, last week I was on Liberty. It was my best bet. Stucky was on the other side of it, and he was kind of walking through why situationally it wasn't a great place for the Flames to to drop a big number and to easily cover. They did that, and Kyden Salter has looked incredible in Jamie Chadwell's offense. He's unlocked every piece of potential in him. But here's the thing. This Liberty run defense is still not very good. And that's, you know, statistically speaking, even with game flow working in their favor, winning three straight games going away where teams have to abandon the run. Now here comes the FIU Panthers. They're averaging over five yards per carry. They're 30th in the country. But here's the key element. 
in the preseason, Grayson James, I was like, I'm out on this guy. I can't see so him. I can't see him helping them in any way, shape, or form. And very quickly, the FIU coaching staff felt the same way. They go to Keon Jenkins, now 3-0 and as a starter. He's a former Auburn commit. He played at Miami Central in high school, which is an absolute power. And they won three straight state titles with him as the starting quarterback. He was the Miami-Dade Offensive Player of the Year. And when you watch him play, he's a lefty. He's got great chemistry with their number one wide receiver, Chris Mitchell. Since he took over as a starter, Mitchell has 18 receptions, 368 yards, four scores. So what I see is an FIU offense that used to just be run heavy and hoping that they could, you know, catch some breaks in the turnover game. Now they got a little bit of fight offensively with Jenkins as the quarterback. And I like that, particularly getting it over the key number of 10. And then just to kind of sweeten the pot for me, Mike McIntyre, he's been a turnaround specialist. You got to remember, this guy was the former AP Home Depot, Walter Camp, Eddie Robinson, every single accolade in the country. He won coach of the year in 2016. I think some people forget that because his tenure ended in kind of an ugly fashion there in Colorado. But he won 10 games in his final game, his final season at San Jose State. And now he's working to turn around at FIU. And when you look at his G5 turnarounds, San Jose and FIU, 10 and 4 against the spread as a home dog. I'm going to go ahead and take him here. I think this is off by, let's call it three, three and a half points. I think Liberty at some point is going to stumble and they're going to stumble against a team that can run the football. So I'll go ahead and fade the Flames after having them as my best bet. Nothing feels better than ping ponging back and forth and absolutely nailing calls on a team. I'm trying to do the tightrope walk, but I've seen enough from FIU. I'm into it. Yeah, I don't hate it at all. And obviously, I was on Liberty with you last week, but. I think that was much more of a fate of Buffalo than it was necessarily in my belief in Liberty. I'm still I'm still playing Western Kentucky when they play. I think it was more just I don't I don't think Buffalo's very good, so I, I don't hate that play at all. Uh for my second and final play of the G five five five, Breeze, every now and again, you gotta throw out the math and just have some fun and bet what you want to happen. And i it's a little bit of that this week. Give me the SMU-TCU over because this game is going to be fun, and it usually is. Both these teams, it's over 63 and a half. I don't even care. I pretty much played it anything. Both these teams play super fast. Both these teams love picking up big plays. SMU is 15th in explosiveness on offense, but they're 117th at preventing big plays. TCU is 110th at preventing big plays. This is just going to be big play after big play. TCU's looked good against the run so far, but they have been shredded through the air. We saw what Colorado did against this team. Even Houston had four explosive plays, and I don't think they're very good on offense. It's Preston Stone time. It's, you know, I mean, what can I say about him anymore? He's he's my boy. I like it. We're going back to the Stone Age. He's already thrown nine touchdowns this year. He's averaging 8.4 yards per drop back, not even per pass. They've had eight players catch a touchdown for the Mustangs this year. Their receiver room is so freaking deep. Bailey, Hudson, Daniels, Curley, Dixon. There's so many guys. If you want a little sprinkle, I mentioned I, I've cast the Jacob Cowing one last week. Doubling down again, Jordan Hudson. He's SMU's second leading receiver. He's already caught two touchdowns this year. He's a transfer from TCU. Played there last year. I think he caught two or three touchdowns to them last year, but was just buried on the depth chart. Another revenge game angle. So sprinkle a little on the Jordan Hudson touchdown. I think we're going to see a lot of touchdowns in this game. Jalen Morris looks pretty good. People forget he was the starter. He beat out Max Duggan last year at a camp. He's averaging 285 yards per game. He's also good with his legs, picking up key first downs. 
Imani Bailey's looked really good. He was stuck behind Miller and DeMarcado last year, but he's a big play threat. Some rivalry games naturally just turn into slugfests, like the backyard brawl, which we always see. Iron skillet game is not one of those. Look at these scores. Last year, 42 to 34. 21, 42 to 34. 2019, 41, 38. 2018, 42 to 12. That was a down year. 2017, 56, 36. 2016 went under. 2015, 56, 37. This game is consistently played in the 70s and the 80s. And with what I've seen from these two quarterbacks and what I've seen of these defenses giving up big plays, give me the SMU TCU over 63 and a half. I love it. I love your anytime touchdown scorer, which is a good opportunity to plug the tailgate. Tim Kalinowski and I give out player props every Friday morning. We're now 11 and three on the season. Just been absolutely crushing them. He has fallen in love with a Vanderbilt wide receiver. So if you're interested in some garbage time yardage and cashing some tickets, please listen in every Friday morning as we get into the full slate. Yeah, I, I, I agree with your assessment. This has been one of those insane scoreboards lighting up kind of games year after year after year. And Morris, as you pointed out, he has been really comfortable in this offense. He's also good for like a head scratching pick or two per game. It's just a question of does he make those mistakes in the red zone or in his own 20 and then set SMU up with a short field because he can certainly still, you know, serve up on a silver platter. Some of these turnovers to an SMU defense that will be happy to get stops any way that they can. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go with my final play here. I've just loved the dogs in week four, and I'm going to keep with that. Georgia State, the number's now up to seven. I still would play it at six and a half, but getting seven at Coastal Carolina, this is Georgia State program to me has been always really well coached under Sean Elliott. He's a solid G5 coach in six seasons. He's gone to four bowl games in the previous six seasons, I should say. And as a road dog since 2020, the Panthers are nine and four against the spread. So that got my attention right off the the bat because in terms of teams that have played at least five games as road dogs since 2020 that makes them the 12th most profitable team in the entire country and then when I look at their offense I figure that this is going to be more of a shootout Coastal Carolina's defense I think based on their schedule it looks like their defense is a little bit better than expected but I think this could be the game that just breaks out into a back and forth shootout and does Georgia State have the horses to keep up I think they do They got a veteran quarterback in Granger, eight total TDs coming off a monstrous game against Charlotte. I know that Club Lit has been shut down. Biff Pogge is trying to rebuild, but he goes for 466, three TDs, almost a 94 QBR in that game. He's playing some of his best football of his career. Marcus Carroll has come, you know, been in a running back by committee situation for years with Georgia State. He's now stepped up. He's the feature back, averaging over five yards per carry and seven TDs. And then Robert Lewis at wide receiver. This is the key player for them. He's Mr. Big Play. He's averaging over 20 yards per catch. Their big three, I think, is enough to keep up. And I see this as a game that they're going to flirt with the outright upset. I'm happy to take plus seven. I think that's a phenomenal number. And keep in mind, they went into Conway and upset Coastal on the road in 2021 with Granger at quarterback. So they've done this before. Now, granted, that was a better Coastal team, but they're playing with a backup quarterback. But they still went ahead and scored 40-plus in that game. So I don't think they're going to have the fear factor. This has clearly been a coastal team that's been more or less the class of the Sun Belt for the last three years, really since McCall took over. I think this is as vulnerable as they're going to get in terms of a mix with getting plus seven. So I'll go ahead and take the points here. There's plenty of nostalgia with you know McCall cashing so many tickets for us over the years, and he's been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the entire country during his entire career. But as we point out many times, he doesn't play defense. 
And I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him in Sunbelt play to be a magician, to stay healthy. I'm not sure that that's going to come to fruition against a Georgia State team that I think is on the cusp of some bigger things, maybe eight or nine win season. Yeah, obviously, you know, I hope they don't. I hope Coastal wins because I have that Coastal (laughs) win total over. Um, But I don't need to play at all because I think Georgia State, I've liked what I've seen from them. I was down on them coming into the air because I felt like they were going to be a Granger do-it-all which they kind of have been, but he's been able to do it all. And, and, and to be fair, Coastal's kind of like that with Grayson this year. But what I like from what I've seen from Georgia State is they've kind of won in, in all different ways. You know, the first the first game, they, it was all the Marcus Carroll show. And then against UConn, when I bet against them, you know, uh, Carroll played well, but Granger torched UConn with his legs. And then you mentioned it last week. It was, it was all Granger's arm. That, I mean, that might have been the best passing performance I've ever seen out of him. So kind of having those three different game scripts does give me a good feeling because then you're like, okay, if Coastal does one thing well, they've shown they can kind of do the other thing. I do like the over. You mentioned that as well. Um, but yeah, I don't hate it at all. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Everyone at Action knows I do treat my body like a temple. That's why I'm excited about our new sponsor, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Factor hooks you up with delicious, chef-prepared, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your house. Speaking of our producer, he loves these. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. There are three main things we love about Factor. One, no chopping, prepping, or cleaning up. Two, you get great flavor and the nutritional quality you need to tackle challenging topics like the UMass defense. And three, Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So this September, run your own two-minute drill with Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Select your meals and enjoy fresh meals delivered to your door. Just head to factormeals.com slash BBOC50. That's five zero. Again, factormeals.com slash BBOC50 and use code BBOC50 to get 50% off. That's code BBOC50 at factormeals.com slash BBOC50 to get 50% off. We are now on to our underdog money line parlay. As I mentioned at the top, Ohio sneaking out that win last week for me. But I'll let Ionello get us started here this week. And hopefully, to quote Trent Dilfer, it goes gently because we're used to getting MF'd. That's a real quote <laughs> from Trent Dilfer because his pressers are just the never-ending gift in my life. I mean, I was gentle. I'm used to it. Hey. Hopefully it goes gently for us. Let's get it started. What's your pick? Yeah, you mentioned it. I'm doubling down. Give me Colorado State. And and I'm thankful for this podcast because we're on the record of being huge Colorado State fans coming into the year. So we don't, you know, get accused of overreacting to that Colorado game because everyone who listens knows we've been high on them since the preseason. And also weren't high in Middle Tennessee. I have a Colorado State over and Middle Tennessee under. So let's this will be good for both of us. You mentioned that, you know, we, we've been high on Clay Millen, but Fowler Nicosi looked really good. I think he's much more explosive than Millen. Millen's more safe. You know, he, he led the country in completion percentage last year. Fowler Nicosi, I think, is more 
aggressive and explosive. 367 yards, three touchdown. He did throw three picks, but it's kind of why I like them as a dog, as a money line dog, because I think he provides a wider range of outcomes for this offense. You mentioned I the mean, Can you imagine, just to interject real quick, can you imagine what this number would be if they just won 28 20 against Colorado? That's a top 25 win in a rivalry. Oh, you know, the, the TV numbers were off the charts. I think it was the yeah. highest streamed game in terms of households ever on the ESPN app. So I think this number would be like Colorado State minus five, six yeah, and a half. That's but instead, you get him as a dog. It's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I know I that Murfreesboro is sometimes a tricky place to play, but not enough for me to back me off this game. Yeah, if anything, just because it's going to be so much quieter than Colorado was. But you mentioned the biggest issue with Colorado State is always their offensive line. Well, so far this year, Middle Tennessee ranks 119th in pressure grade at PFF. And they're 106 in havoc. That was their strength last year. So they've kind of sh- they, they played, you know, Alabama, Missouri. They played tough games, but they have not done a good job getting into the quarter after the quarterback as they did last year. And the Blue Raiders really struggle against the pass. And obviously, that's all Colorado State wants to do. I mean, we saw Jalen Milrose shred this defense, and he stinks. So what do you think? You know, Colorado State. That's all they want to do is throw the ball. Middle Tennessee offense is horrible, so I'm not really that worried about it. We're both high on Colorado State coming in the year, as I said. So, obviously, the big question here is, is this a big letdown spot after that Colorado game was so emotional, physical, somewhat dirty at times? They blow it. They lose in overtime. Is this a huge letdown spot? Which is kind of – I actually – I played the spread already, but the more I dug into it, the more I actually like the money line angle opposed to taking the points because I think if – Colorado State plays their game and plays up to our expectations for them, they're the better team and they should win this game. Or they fall flat, they're depressed about the loss, and then they get crushed. So I kind of like the the uh, volatility of the money line because I think if if they don't let this game become a letdown spot, they should have no problem winning because I think they're the better team. So I think the money line is kind of a good capitalize on the possibility of a letdown spot. But I'm with you. I mean, you took him with the points. I'm taking a money line. I think the better team. So give me the Rams. Yeah, I'm just basically buying in on their swagger, too. You saw it in that Colorado game. Like, Torrey Horton knows that he's a future NFL wide receiver. He demands. Uh, we, we talk about it, how, how pretty that pass was. That was, I mean, he threw that was an absolute rope. Yeah, I mean, so to me, they have confidence, and they're not a team that can afford to drop a game like this to have to turn around that they're hoping for, which, you know, the goal is to get to bowl eligibility. They're 0-2. They play two Power 5 opponents out of the Pac-12. It's time to turn it up. And for that reason, I, I do think you're going to see maximum effort out of them in this game. All right, I'm going to go for my money line dog, Western Kentucky, plus 160 at Troy. This is not your father's Troy team or the 2022 Troy team that was just absolutely nasty on defense Troy's 49th in total d but the the headliner circling it in you know red sharpie 112th in havoc opposing teams you know past success has been incredibly high Troy in that metric is 85th nationally and I understand the Hilltoppers just got dumped trucked by Ohio State even so Austin Reed still had a QBR of 75 in that game so yes they lost huge to the Buckeyes their defense couldn't get a stop. I don't care about that game. The Buckeyes are not on the field here. Troy has, you know, I'll say a slightly above average G5 offense, but nowhere near the ceiling of Ohio State. And also, I think this line is depressed a little bit by the fact that Malachi Corley gets hurt in the opener. 
And is he back to full strength? I think he is. He he was rolling in that game, even against Ohio State secondary. Eight catches, 88 yards, touchdown. He is going to be able to ball out in this game. I think this is an opportunity to get the better team with a better offense and the better quarterback. And you don't get plus money in that many situations. I understand they got to go on the road here. But this Western Kentucky team has the goods offensively. They've also done a great job protecting Reed. For all of his dropbacks, they throw, you know, more than just about any team in the entire country, 16th in sack percentage allowed. So I'm going to go with the Hilltoppers to get right. And honestly, this is kind of a, a Western team that I think because of the blowout, is just flying under the radar. So let's go ahead and get the value and, and go with the team that we believed in from, you know, the preseason. At least you did in terms of your Conference USA title pick. Yep. This was actually my second choice. I actually texted. This was the one we did talk about. A uh, little peek behind the curtain because I saw Breeze put both Western Kentucky and Colorado State in the app, and I texted him and said, "Which one are you taking for your money line dog?" Because I was going to take the other one because I like both of these. So I could not agree with more. Carl DeMarshall ain't, run, ain't walking through that door. This is not the Troy team we saw last year. They they cannot run the ball at all. Like you said, the defense is taking a step back, and that was that was basically their calling card last year. So I absolutely like the Hilltoppers here as well. Any picks before we get out of here that we're on the cutting room floor that were close? I'll just throw mine out there. Trent Dilfer, Trent baby. Oh man. Getting 42 against Georgia. The press conference, you know, sitting through the 15, 16 minutes of it. He basically did his best to feed some rat poison to Georgia. Just talked about how great of a talent evaluator and, you know, coach that Kirby smart is and how hard the Georgia players play. Just basically begging, please just quit in the third or fourth quarter. So we don't lose by 70 points. I think this is a Georgia game where their offense has not played a full four quarter game effectively. Bowers has not, you know, really shown that. I mean, preseason, it was like Heisman talk. It was insane. I think this could be a game where he gets, you know, multiple touchdowns and the offense will get right. They'll dump, you know, through their reserves and, you know, bring in some of the bench to, to get some good reps and get everybody feeling good. This UAB defense is horrific. We predicted it. They're maybe even worse than advertised. And I think in this particular game, there's a good chance that they lose by 50, 60 points. So that was, I was close. It's still a lean for me because it's motivational. How much does Georgia want to do that in between, you know, SEC games? But I think they're just going to lay out Trent. So what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I always love, by the way, the spread of 42, total of 54. It's like, all right, so the implied total there is what, you know, What's the what's the implied score on, on that? Again, I'm not. I, I've given up doing math, but it's like you know, four, what forty eight to six is basically what the implied score is there. So, I mean, at this point, we should just change our bonus the bonus bet segment to just you trying like, to do math on the fly. No, I was gonna say let's, <laughs> it's the it's the let's 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 pile on category because you're gonna pile on Trent cutting room floor Dana. Sorry, UNLV minus two and a half. UTEP's trash, and I'm just gonna keep fading them. I didn't want to put it in the the uh, high five because I'm just, I feel bad at this point. I think UNLV is better than UTEP. We just saw him beat Vandy with their backup quarterback. So land less than a field goal against the minors. I, I left that one off, but I'll, I will probably bet UNLV minus two and a half against UTEP this week. It wouldn't be a BBOC podcast brought to you by BetMGM, the group of five deep dive without us mentioning Butch Jones, only a seven point home dog. And I know that, you know, Southern Miss likely will not have Frank Gore Jr. in this game. I thought, I thought you were going to take that, by the way. I was waiting for you to pick it. It was close. If it had stuck at six or six and a half and there was any possibility of Gore Jr. playing, maybe I would have pulled the trigger, but I don't want to just fade one <laughs> team for 12 consecutive weeks. That's, why, that's that, that was why I left UTEP off. I'm like, I could pick against them every week if I wanted yeah. to. 
yeah, yeah. we want to be a little bit tactical um, at times. So it's a pass for me, but I wouldn't be surprised if this just becomes another boat race situation for the Red Wolves, even at home. Southern Miss, it's a good bounce back spot. They got their doors blown off by FSU. They did not play very well against Tulane. I think they have a higher ceiling. I think they'll get it together. I think they're well coached. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's still a team that if you need a play, let me see the kickoff here. Kickoff's at 7 p.m. If you're taking some losses in the noon 3.30 window, you may as well just fire up Southern Miss, laying the seven. Yeah, the, uh, the one other one I, I had kind of somewhat toyed with was, I mentioned how good I think the Mac has looked this year. Uh, I considered Eastern Michigan, they're plus six and a half against Jacksonville State. I'll be honest, I almost I almost threw them in my money line as kind of a bigger swing. Uh, I just like Chris Creighton as a coach. This is one where I think if this hits seven, I'll pull the trigger on Eastern Michigan. I would not be shocked if they win this game. I think the Mac has looked really good, and I cannot wait for those Tuesday nights in November. Yeah, Jacksonville State playing two quarterbacks at times. They haven't looked as dynamic in the run game. I think they're fortunate to have the record. This is the time of year when coaches love to say, like, our record, you know, is indicative of exactly who we are and how good we are. That's crap. Like, you can steal wins. You can get lucky in the turnover margin. I mean, in the UTEP opener, and we've yeah, they lost spoken adamantly against UTEP. Like, Jacksonville State should have lost that game. So, I agree. Even with Eastern Michigan, you got to hold your nose with that quarterback situation, right? Yeah. Well, that's it for us. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM and our Group of Five Deep Dive. A reminder to our audience that later in the week, you can check in with Colin and Stuck as they go through their entire FBS card. And then on Saturday, BBOC Live with Colin Stuckey, Brett McMurphy. I'll have a featured segment as well for my best G5 pick of the week. We'll get into weather reports, last minute injuries, you know, if there's any quarterback controversies to check in on, as well as steam reports and, you know, where the money is headed right before kickoff. It's always really useful in that 10, 30, 11 o'clock window to get the last bits of information before you put together your full Saturday card. All right, guys, that's it for us. Thank you so much for listening. A reminder, you can really help us out by commenting in um, both the YouTube channel as well as your podcast feeds. Any five-star reviews are appreciated. Happy to throw out a $10 parlay card for the top one that mentions the G5 boys moving forward. Thanks again. Have a great weekend. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.